0: Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. How about that, fellas? Brand new, brand new intro this week. Uh, awesome. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the noseminster family of Guitar Effects. Check us out at WestminsterEffects.com and make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. I am joined in person by... This is Bradley Cox, I'm pastor at Riz
1: Church in Greer, South Carolina. And via the interweb by... Hey, everybody, this is Westminster Effects artist and church nerd, John Ross from Lincoln, Nebraska. So, yes, it's true that this uh,
0: episode will come out a week and a half, basically, from recording uh, the magic of of podcasting. Uh, However what we all did this week in church is a little obvious and that it was easter and people like to freak out about easter so john go first (laughs) oh my goodness
1: okay so just um, throwing you under the bus there or for the wolves or whatever we're talking uh easter's easter's good uh good stuff hey so um Oh man! So for uh, for Easter, I mean, it really does the whole the whole week. So on last week's episode, we kind of talked about Palm Sunday just a, just a little bit, and then uh, this week. Uh, obviously, uh, followed through with uh, Monday, Thursday, in which we observe uh, the Last Supper and the institution of uh, Holy Communion, um, and then Friday, Good Friday, where we um, observe and focus on the Crucifixion, and then obviously uh, Sunday for Easter. Now, I played on Thursday and Friday. Um, it was it was cool. Um, and I mean, for the most part, just a, a generally good service uh, for both of those. And then yesterday I was able to worship with my family uh, for, uh, for Easter Sunday. Um, I will say, and this didn't happen at my location, but uh, our, our church does have two campuses. And at our South Campus, uh, they did something that I thought was really cool. And I I haven't seen a video of it or or anything, um, but just imagining the effect is pretty sweet. So they did Death Was Arrested. um, Except on Good Friday, they ended the song um, on the line. um, And what is it like? Hell rejoiced. Darkness darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. And that's how the service ended right there. Mm. And then Easter morning, the first line was a built-in, you know, and then the, and Jesus arose, you know, with, with our freedom in hand or whatever it is, and, like, that could have been so cool. I wish I would have been able to see that. Um, yeah, that's We did sweet. something like that
2: last We year. did something
1: similar before the renovations where we opened
0: with Death Was Arrested, and everything was pretty low, and then we get to that verse mm. and queued up a video of like drop the lights down to pitch black. Of course, before renovations, it was
1: pretty gradual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't just killing it. Yeah. Um, Old Bob in the back flipping switches.
0: Right. right. Cue we, and then we queued a, a video of just a black screen with the stone rolling away mm. and light pouring in. And then on, well, I guess we kind of built into that, like an ambient build with a, with a whole lot of kick drum, Sure. And, and then on the, but then Jesus arose and on Jesus, everything came back up.
2: Yeah. Of course. And, well, we yeah. well, we ended it with yeah, Friday service, mm-hmm. not, not with the song, but the, it was the video of the stone rolling in front of the tomb and there was light, you know, kind of coming in from the back. And so the light dissipi- dissipated as the sure. stone. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's yeah, how we okay. ended. And then Sunday morning we did that's that song. Really cool. And at that point, the stone rolled away and yep. built into that.
0: I had forgotten about that because I wasn't at the Good Friday service. Yeah.
2: That uh, right. Right.
1: You know, I, I'm sure there's varying opinions on this, but I think a bit of theatrics um, in this. Uh, you know, especially in in this time of the church year, in the Holy Week, um, is okay. I think it helps uh, helps illustrate and uh, and magnify things that you know would otherwise be somewhat more difficult to grasp. Um, we're largely it's largely taking advantage of the fact that you
0: have people who normally aren't in church. Very true. Who think it's a good idea. Who think it's a good idea to come to church on Easter. Of course, it's a good idea to go to church every Sunday. Exactly. You should do that.
2: <laughs> so, but you know, like I mean, I, you know this, Cody. I say this all the time at Res. It, it, it is great. I, th- I agree with you, John. I think some level of theatrics um, are good and appropriate and helpful. Not just for unbelievers that are present, but also believers, because I, I say this all the time. I, I think the the Easter story, the the gospel itself, what Christ did, it becomes too familiar to us. And as, you know, I, I tell my folks all the time, you know, if, if this becomes familiar and commonplace to you, ask God to help make it strange again. Yeah. It yeah, needs sure. to be strange. It needs to be felt and you know, I have a bit of a tension with using theatrics to help it, to help generate the emotion. Sure. Yet, at the same time, my prayer is always that God will use that, that the Spirit will anoint that, so that it, it will become strange to us again, so that we will feel the the, the appropriate level of joy and excitement, and, um, and also um, just the gut-wrenching nature of good friday oh yeah you know, we need to feel that yeah, absolutely i mean I should... that's
0: that's really one of our big things is, mm. is <laughs> as long as i've been here uh we've tried to make good friday as gut-wrenching as
1: possible absolutely um we did uh, there, there's oh, go, there, there are no punches uh, pulled No, no punches <laughs> pulled um, do you guys uh, strip the altar? I mean, that's a that's a traditional Good Friday thing. I mean, I don't know if you have I mean, like we don't have a big, you know, altar thing um, in the 211 space. I mean, we do in the sanctuary space, but um, we uh, we have a, a platform um, where for normal services serves as uh, uh, as the altar, you know, where the uh, um, where the elements for the Lord's Supper and stuff would be placed. Um, but we added another table in front of that. Um, so we could um, do the symbolic stripping of the altar. It's tradition in uh, in, in Lutheran and other kind of liturgically rooted um, uh, traditions where they uh, uh, they remove everything from the altar, which usually you know includes a candle, some sort of altar cross, uh, uh, an altar uh, Bible, which is you know big, which is usually the Bible they'd use to do the uh, the strepitus, the big bam, you know, at the end of the Good Friday service. Do you guys do anything like that? No,
2: I mean it's probably something that you know we lack like, that I would like to add more of is is some of those very tangible elements to our stage and platform. Yep. You know, ours is very basic, um, sure. and we before our renovations we had a um, a really beautiful cross in our sanctuary all the time, uh, a big one, um, and uh, we. Thought about bringing that out, but we just honestly never got around to it. It's in storage right now. After the when we did the renovations, we put it in storage, and we also shrunk our stage a little bit to add more seating. Sure, space is limited, but yeah, that's that's something that I appreciate um, about liturgical churches that we really don't have at Res. That I don't know. It's something I would like to explore. Oh yeah, oh Oh, You know, the the trick with stuff like that is. If you just do it to do it,
1: mm-hmm. I mean, there's not much value there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the whole reason that all the symbolism exists um, was as a teaching tool. I mean, you know, that was right. a, that was. Yeah. A, oh, I mean, sure, there there's some of the um, the crew that kind of goes down the Christian mysticism uh, path. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a um, Oh, there's there's some fancy word that's bouncing around the the uh, the Missouri set uh, of the Lutheran Church right now um, about pretty much Lutheran pastors who are pretty much I mean pretty much Roman priests uh, you know in their actions and you know that's it's done as an outward sign of piety and things like that and so mm. I, I don't think that's that that stuff is useful um, but something that's against the norm like the stripping of the altar which we usually don't have that stuff usually up there i mean we do have a large cross we do have a place for the elements of the lord's supper but excuse me and that's it um so adding something new and then taking it away is like hey why did they do that if they don't already know or can't make that connection for themselves or if it's not called out in the service you know that's a jumping off point um, for you know further discussion. Um, I think, Bradley, you're exactly right, is that it becomes so familiar to us, um, the entire Easter narrative, the entire Good Friday narrative, where for many of us, we've never known anything else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, we've never known um, a Christ who has not been crucified, right. you know, and right. like... It would be interesting to talk to somebody who learns all about Jesus first, and then finds out, <laughs> finds out, you know, uh, how it continues. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, probably not the the most effective path to evangelism. I mean, treating it like a like a story, um, but. I, mean, I think that's one place where we as modern Christians uh, kind of uh, come up short a little bit is we've never known any different and praise be to God that we haven't um, right well you know, praise be to God that we live in uh, in righteousness because of that redemptive act but you know as far as the emotional connection piece um, you know we haven't known anything different <laughs> That's right yeah and
0: Bradley you've you don't necessarily every Easter or Christmas go with the very obvious passages of scripture, right? As you were in uh, John 11, I mm-hmm. believe it was mm-hmm. uh, talking about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead and how Jesus is the resurrection. Mm-hmm. It's not simply about, yeah, he got out of
2: the tomb. Right. It's it's he was the first fruits, even though you didn't use that term. Yeah. Well, and, and that's sometimes I do that, and, and that's one of the reasons I taught from John 11 yesterday, was that, you know, it, it's, it, the, the sermon was kind of built around the shortest verse in the Bible, John 11:35. Jesus wept, and why did he weep? And a lot of times people think that I I used to think that he wept because he was being empathetic towards Mary and Martha and the mourners that were there at the tomb of Lazarus, or maybe that he was even grieving himself. We believe he's fully God, fully man. Um, He fully took on humanity without compromising his godness. So maybe Jesus had a little bit of grief mixed in there, but I don't think that's what's going on. I think Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus, And the language around Jesus wept, uh, John uses words like, he was deeply troubled, he was deeply moved. Um, And you look up those words elsewhere in the New Testament and they point to uh, someone being agitated or disturbed. And I think he was disturbed because there was a big question mark around the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus, why didn't you get here sooner? You could have stopped Lazarus from dying. And, you know, Martha and Mary asked the same question Lord, if you'd been here, um, my brother would not have died. And so I think he's disturbed that his love is being questioned uh, for Lazarus um, in his waiting to come until Lazarus had died. Uh, but the whole point of that miracle, I think, is to prove look, I'm not just a circumstantial fixer. You know, yeah. I don't just come in and fix your problems. I am the resurrection and the life. You know, Martha, do you believe this? Um, and so, yeah, the tomb is empty. And the, 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 re- the raising of Lazarus is a preview, I think, of Christ's Christ resurrection, resurrection and ultimately the resurrection of all those who are in Christ. Um, and I just tried to make the simple point that, you know, Jesus is the point. Um, sure. him, he himself is the resurrection and the life, and the the cool thing about that story is that here is, like you said, John. Here's Mary and Martha, you know, reckoning with who this guy Jesus is prior to the death and. Re- I mean, it happened four days after that event. Yeah, Jesus died and rose, but um, they're reckoning with who Jesus is without. The knowledge and experience of His actual death and resurrection. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I hope that that challenged people yesterday. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that sounds like a really cool uh, kind of uh,
1: direction to take that interpretation. I like that quite a bit.
3: Jesus
1: Christ is risen today. Hallelujah.
0: Within, we were talking before we we uh started recording is easter weekend typically is kind of a huge weekend for churches whether you have good friday or not right, uh, yeah. we we usually have one service at mm-hmm. res and we did two and they were both pretty packed out they were um whether that's surprising or not i don't even know at this point yeah, <laughs> i have <yeah. can> just <laughs> trying to have expectations because i'm always wrong anyway yeah. um but we've we've all expressed like we're pretty gassed. Yeah. Um, so, so one of the, one of the big issues, uh, that a lot of worship teams or churches just with volunteering or even preachers Mm -hmm. uh, have to deal with is fatigue and burnout. And I think there's a big difference between the two, Mm -hmm. um, where right, right now, I think we're all just tired, mm-hmm. but I'm not at the point where I'm so exhausted I don't feel like I could do anything else. Right. Uh, in terms of in terms of serving, uh, where, where last week, uh, even before all of our Easter stuff, I had games uh, with my baseball team Tuesday and Wednesday, mm-hmm. and there were playoff implications and all that kind of stuff. So there's more. Uh, more tension, more energy involved in that and then you go Thursday with rehearsal for Good Friday, Mm -hmm. the Good Friday service and then Saturday morning the rehearsal for Sunday morning Mm -hmm. and then Sunday morning being here a good half hour earlier than we normally are Mm -hmm. playing two services (laughs) going to the in-laws to eat lunch Catching a little nap on the way there in the car. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> and then and then getting home and crashing the rest of the way. Yep. Um, and and I'm not I'm not totally recovered today. Um so I don't know. And Cody I'm doesn't there. even have kids.
1: Like Yeah, and I don't that's even right. have kids. I just have Man. two stupid dogs. <laughs> <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't know tired yet,
2: does yeah, he, All right.
1: Right. No, uh, no, not not even a little. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So I played. I, I rehearsal on Wednesday uh, for Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday service, which were both uh, you know both Thursday and Friday, as as you might expect. Saturday morning, I got a I I got persuaded somehow into assisting uh, my friends who bought a house into redoing their floor uh, in the kitchen. Ooh, so cool. Saturday of, uh, of Easter weekend, um, I'm, I'm ripping out uh, flooring. Um, and apparently, my, my dear friends had absolutely zero tools. So had I not showed up, <laughs> I mean, I showed <laughs> not up not and, and one of them was what trying to trying to pull off quarter round with like a s- mechanic screwdriver you know with like the interchangeable bits on the end oh my goodness yeah so for me. yeah we uh, we fixed that up right quick but yeah so we did we did that and then of course you know i had to um Uh, Had to do that and then rustle up dinner for the fam and a whole bunch of other stuff on Saturday night. And then Sunday morning, uh, my wife's a photographer, so she had to shoot pictures at the 945. And then um, I took the kids by Krispy Kreme to kill some time, and then we went to the 11 o'clock. Went back home, got everything ready. And our church did three services on Sunday. So we did, I think we did 1130, 945, and 11. Or 830, 945, and 11. Um, And they had to be there at like 7. So I'm glad I wasn't on for Thursday. in light of this entire weekend. And then uh, we headed up to my friend's house on a farm up in kind of northeastern Nebraska. And uh, while we were there, I was helping helping my buddy cook dinner and all that. And my little girl uh, gets her hands stuck in the hinge side of a door. Um, And then his little boy closes that door on Mm -hmm. Santa's fingers. And so it was was like legit kind of worrisome. So... um, we ran her down to the hospital in Blair, which is like ten minutes away, um, you know, because a picture's worth a thousand words and about a thousand bucks, frankly, and
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um,
1: and everything's fine. But you know, got that, got back. We ate, and you know, got back to Lincoln at like ten, and oh my goodness. Yeah. So I definitely, I definitely feel that. But, you know, same with you is like, I'm I'm not at burnout level, but I have been at burnout level with other things. So I I definitely can understand that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what, what, I mean, well, it was your birthday on Saturday, so you at least, you at least got to just kind of hang out for a minute. Right.
2: (laughs) A little bit, yeah. Little bit. Yeah, we we had a good week. I mean, um, it was spring break, and kids ended up going to the in laws, and so my wife and I had a bit of a break there. And yes, yeah, some birthday celebrations, but it was a busy week. I mean, there was just uh, a lot of preparation um, from all standpoints. Um, everything from you know, you know, my wife is heavily involved with praise and worship, and. Um, So, and the kids sang on Sunday. So, you know, there was rehearsals on Thursday night and we had service Friday night, rehearsal on Saturday for Easter Sunday and then two services yesterday and, and you then, didn't you didn't preach friday like you didn't have the main sermon mm, but you were still involved, in, still the involved in the service and then i preached yesterday and then you know family lunch after church and a quick nap and then we went to some friends sunday night so yeah it, it's a it's a busy week and i'm tired um yeah you know it's i think you know but it's a good tired, isn't it? I mean, that's true. Yeah, it's a good tired, and yeah. and things were accomplished. There, there's different. Uh, there's different kinds of fatigue. Th- did you mm-hmm. segue yet to fatigue, or are we? Yeah, on he that did. Topic yeah, about no, no. Thing? Yeah, yeah. It
1: yeah. just was. It, it wasn't very creative, as we're used to. It, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. And by, and uh, by creative, was, you mean it wasn't very terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's, your there's
2: words. Different. There's different kinds of fatigue, um, I think. I mean, you you can be tired, um, you can get tired really quickly because of things that aren't fruitful and productive. Yep. Uh, As opposed to you can work very hard and sometimes very long on things that are fruitful and productive and not Mm -hmm. experience the level of fatigue that you would on things that are not productive um, and fruitful or, or that you perceive to be such. Um, so when you, when you talk about fatigue, I think you've got to, in tiredness, you've got to think about, you know, what's going on here. If if I'm feeling really wrung out, um, there could be a variety of reasons for that. Um, it could be that you've lost sense of how, what you're doing and investing in, particularly in ministry is eternally fruitful and worth it. And that's, you know, when you lose sight of that, um, there can be a level of fatigue that sets in that can be really dangerous.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's when you start crossing the line into
2: burnout, definitely. Definitely. Um, Burn, burnout is different than tired. Yeah. Burnout is I've lost a sense of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, um, burnout
1: is, a, is, is that loss of purpose. Yeah, yeah, it's that why even bother. And I think, at least for some, uh, this definitely isn't
0: a universal thing some of some of burnout can be attributed to maybe a discipline issue where maybe you've taken on too much responsibility mm-hmm. uh,
1: maybe, you don't manage, maybe you don't manage your time well mm-hmm. uh, what are you chuckling at that's dude that's like that's like the the under the under title on the business card John Ross you know like uh, <laughs> Uh, responsible for too many things responsible for too many things yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: where where I mean uh, we definitely have to reckon with the fact that some people simply don't manage their time well Um, if you're if you're staying and if you're staying up until one in the morning uh, on a Saturday night before you have to get up and go to church for a rehearsal early that morning right you're, you're just gonna be more tired. Yeah. That's 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 a simple fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, there's circumstantial burnout too, where where there could have been you know maybe there's huge turnover in the church going on, or yeah. or maybe there's even personal stuff going on with medical issues or relational trauma mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's not just a one size fits all to burnout no, fatigue. Not. Good it's job. it's there's definitely a, a level of grace that we have to have with all of it. Right. And maybe maybe some understanding where, you know, say we have three drummers at res right now mm-hmm. and. Maybe two of them need a break. I'm not saying they do, yeah, right. <laughs> just for the record, for anybody at rest who's listening. Mm-hmm. But in a hypothetical, say two of them really need a month break because of X, Y, and Z circumstances. So that leaves us with one drummer. Well, do we run him into the ground for two months straight or do we just go without drums for a couple weeks here and there? Mm-hmm. And, and so there's all kind of things to think yeah. about there.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're designed by God to need rest. I mean, that, that's one of the things that, there, there's a stewardship issue with fatigue and burnout that all of us have to, we have to be aware of. I mean, you know, I, I just looked up Mark chapter six, when you know Jesus sent the apostles out for the first time on their own to do ministry and they come back and they're um, talking to Jesus about all the things that had happened or whatever. And Jesus said to them, or Mark says that the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. So these guys mm-hmm. had not stopped long enough to just pause and eat. And, and here's Jesus conscious of that, conscious of their need for rest and food. But then what's interesting is they, they actually get in a boat and they go away to a, a desolate place. A huge crowd shows up. Jesus starts to teach the crowd. And then at the end of the day, he looks at the disciples and says, all right, feed them, boys. And we know the, the famous story, right, where they end up serving this massive crowd of people. Uh, but the inter- I, I really love the connection there between this, you know, he calls them to rest and then he immediately calls them to labor. But yet in the labor is a rest in and of itself, because it says that they had to keep coming back to Jesus for the bread and the fish. Mm-hmm. So there's this dependent rest that happens with Jesus where they are feeding the crowd, but they're completely dependent on him to supply Absolutely. the food. So there, there's there's a couple of layers to rest. There mm-hmm. is the need to go to sleep. When, when you are expected to be at a sound check at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning, you need to go to bed and sleep. Yeah, you need to eat breakfast. You need to take care of that part of it. But there's also this spiritual rest that has to accompany all of our labor for the Lord and ministry and 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 just in life in general, parenting, marriage, our careers, what have you um and if we're not if we're not stewarding that well we risk burnout and fatigue um you know so i, I agree with you cody i think there's layers yeah. there's layers here that you have to unpack yeah definitely i mean I, I and i don't think like necessarily doing
1: too much is what leads to burnout um like for me i'm a doer i have to be doing stuff like if i'm just stuck at my desk all day churning on like one project i am so beat at the end of the day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but as soon as i get out of my pull in the driveway get out of my truck and i go do yard work or something i feel like a million bucks again and at the end of the day i am so like i'm beat right now but i feel great because i've right. i've been doing things you know i've been yeah. Yeah,
0: which it, is what we were yeah, created I, to know, do exactly
1: right. we were exactly. created to work
0: we weren't created to simply lounge and watch yeah. espn there's nothing wrong with lounging and watching espn necessarily yeah yeah you, you you tell me you
1: you tell yourself that cody yeah
0: well especially when the braves are beaten up on cleveland i mean i'm not going to complain about that <laughs> 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 because they were they were the primetime game on sunday night baseball last night so josh uh, donaldson hitting two dingers and all that kind of stuff yeah and that glorious mullet that donaldson has so um. That, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Bradley, you, you bring up a good point that tied into a, into one of my points uh, that I had in my notes of you know in Hebrews four it talks about Jesus being our Sabbath rest right where uh, you have to depend on. On Jesus, which ultimately means you have to spend time with God Mm -hmm. and not just on Sunday morning. There's a preparation involved Mm -hmm. um, Even even on a daily basis and I'm not saying that you have to go and read X number of chapters in the Bible every single day Mm -hmm. but in order for there to be a dependence, you have to end up going to mm-hmm. uh, and, and receiving that, you know, Hebrews four says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his um, when we when we go to Jesus, whether it's in a devotional or in prayer or whatever. You're resting from your works, uh, Mm -hmm. in in a sense. Um, Obviously, that one's that Hebrews 4 is specifically talking about, more so trying to attain salvation. Mm -hmm. like We don't have to muster up uh, faith, and we we don't muster that up ourselves, and, and we don't contribute anything to our salvation in the first place. But at the same time, there's still a rest in the
2: works. There is. When they're done for the glory of God. Well, I think the way God has designed the natural world is, it it all points to the greater spiritual reality. I mean, the fact that I need sleep is a constant reminder of my dependence on God, right? I mean, I love Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who, who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go to late rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. That's that psalm's not, you know, prohibiting hard work and labor, but it is a reminder uh, that, you know, we we are completely dependent on God for everything. And when I have to I have to lay down at night and put my head to a pillow and rest, it, it, it is a physical, natural reminder that ultimately I'm. I I have to rest in God, I have to, even when I I get hungry and I need to eat, I was talking with a friend of mine just last week who, he's going through an incredibly busy season right now, and he was just telling me, he said, you know, I've, I've been so busy, my time in the Word has been somewhat neglected, and he said, I felt my soul starving for that. You know, and just the fact that I have to eat is a reminder that I need the bread of life, you know. Um, And even when we fast food, what are we doing there? Mm -hmm. We're reminding ourselves that we don't live by bread alone. Um, You know, when the manna rained down from heaven, that was a daily reminder, a weekly reminder for the nation of Israel of their dependence on God and their rest, their ultimate Re- need for rest in God,
0: and even even in those reminders, there's there's grace. Exactly. Sleep feels good. It does. <laughs> yeah, Food it does. tastes good. It does. Yeah. <laughs> usually. So, usually. Usually. Yeah, usually. <laughs> yeah you're, you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but those are those are both reminders and gifts at the same time. They are. So I mean, that just kind of shows you the goodness of God. It does. Whatever. Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? And does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast. Dan and Trevor, take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a conversation about spiritual matters. uh, Also featuring about once a month. One, Bradley Cox, lead pastor of Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. Uh, subscribe to the All 7 Days podcasting on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, and more, and send your questions to ask at all7days.com. Um, they also uh, just did an episode where I sent the question with a huge caveat of I'm not thinking about leaving Resurrection, but I think this would be a good show topic. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm recording. With, I'm recording with those guys tomorrow. I think that's one of. Them. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nice. So, um,
0: but yeah, that that even could be a topic for us is when you know uh, when you should leave a church because uh, that's you know we got a lot of church hopping going on yep. in the American church. But anyway, on to uh, the Inquisition. As we said last week, if you're not up to speed, uh, that's our new listener question segment title uh thanks john thanks for that welcome you're welcome
1: i hope it was unexpected got him (laughs) anybody no okay
2: (laughs) so
0: uh last week brad speed said or asked the question if you could have a conversation with a historical heretic who would it be uh, this week, <laughs> this week, he follows that up with, who is one historical heretic that you'd like to go St. Nicholas on and punch in the face? <laughs> mm. I'll tell you mine. Go ahead. While, while you fellas think. Ken Hagen. Since yeah. he, he now counts as historical because he died in... The early 2000s, if I remember correctly, uh, so kind of the grandfather, if you will, of yeah. of the word of faith movement and the prosperity gospel. So I wouldn't mind punching him in the face. Yeah, or we could we could amend it to slap, so there's less of a risk of injury. There you go. You can you can slap
1: him too. Yeah. Now that brings in a whole nother like. <laughs> Like punch would be, I mean, that that, that seems like conduct unbecoming. Um, in like, just that's if I were fair. To, that's an entirely now, fair statement. Not in the not in in the context necessarily of Saint Nicholas decking Arius, because you know, chances are he had it coming.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> ho ho ho! You confused son of a gun. Bing, you know, but um but. When i think of wanting to slap a heretic i mean that i don't want to do it to a historical guy i want to, i want to do it to kenneth copeland man i to walk up and i and i want to see that jello salad of his face just ripple man this is escalating quickly oh man you got anybody tackled like- by his his bodyguards probably but you know what um, <laughs> You would, you yeah.
2: Would. I just... mm, suck it. I, I mean, the <laughs> Ken Hagens a really good. That's a really good example. I mean, um, I mean, I, I don't. I, I've talked a bit about my, you know, the heritage that I grew up in, tradition, and and there was a season of my life coming out of college and, and through my twenties where. I I really had to break away from a lot of relationships um, and connections networks because of the influence of the prosperity gospel. Oh yeah, and, and, and there within all of that was my coming to my senses with regard to the heresy of that, mm-hmm. um, and and at the same time having to mourn the 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 loss of some relationships and connections but a lot of those were influenced by Kenneth Hagan. Yep. I mean a mentor yep. a huge a man who had a huge impact in my life and I still love him to this day. Um it, it, he he referred to Ken Hagan as dad Hagan. That's you know, a little creepy. It is a little creepy but he there there was a mm. there was a real sense that Kenneth Hagan was a father in the faith and um, that may even still be how he feels. I don't know. I haven't talked to him in, in quite some time. But mm-hmm. you know, that's a that's a really good one for me too, uh, is Kenneth Hagan. Um, but you know, I'm kind of like John. There, if if you start to ask me about who I want to slap, you know, I start to think about contemporaries more than I yeah. do historical and that, that's people. Fair, yeah, you know, because they're they're just. The, infl- the influence of, of, of a lot of this liberal theology—that's—it's not so much prosperity gospel as it is relativism and um, you, know, you know, diminishment of the authority of Scripture. Yep. Oh, and, yeah. um, You know, I've got I've got, I, I've got a, a really close friend that um, you know I, I still consider a brother who's being heavily influenced mm-hmm. by people that you know um, you know, have, have begun to follow these kinds of people like, um, you know, what, what's his name? Rob Bell. Yeah. Um, and then I don't I, you guys may not be familiar with this, but Carlton Pearson. I know the name. Mm-hmm. So he was a, uh, I guess back in the nineties in the Pentecostal charismatic world, he was huge. I mean, almost like TD Jake's level in terms of his influence in sure. the wider charismatic movement. Uh, and for, you know, a decade or so, though I do think he was influenced by the prosperity gospel, he still held to the, you know, orthodox basics of the, of the gospel with regard mm-hmm. to Christ and the authority of scripture. But he, uh, at least as I understand it, he had some friends who were homosexual Um, And so then he started to question hell, eternal damnation, and now he's completely off in left field um, with, you know, the Bible is not the, he's totally away from Sola Scriptura and all that kind of stuff. And and he's influencing my friend and others that mm -hmm. I know. um, And those are people that... You know, as a part of me, my heart breaks for them and I'm compassionate towards them. And yet the influence they're exerting in the body of Christ um, is something that makes me incredibly angry.
0: Yeah, that's uh, even this morning on Al Mohler's The Briefing, which if you don't listen to The Briefing, very good podcast uh, that's put out every weekday. Um, but he commented on a New York Times interview with uh, the president of union theological seminary hmm. which has gone just off the rails to the left hmm. and he he made the point like and and quoted uh Jake Russian mason of this is a different religion uh at least what this uh seminary president was articulating hmm. um so two more quick fun
1: questions and then hey, we'll get re- real quick cody one big real question. yeah hot. Hot, quick second. You know, one of the reasons I wonder if the the modern the modern heretics, so to speak, um, are more slappable is it's almost that rather than just being like you know indignantly wrong, they're like consciously manipulative. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're using the That's name true. of Christ um, and bending scripture to accomplish their agenda. And I mean, there's very, very little more heinous than that. You yeah. know, and so I, I think that that may be one reason why um, the modern ones may be just a bit more slappable. Anyways, continue.
0: Yeah. OK, I'm going to cut one of these and move it to next week because I just realized what time it is. Uh, so from Brian Morris. Kanye West led a worship service at Coachella on Easter Sunday. Would you have rather attended that at Coachella or Lakewood?
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> Is there a third option? Right? <laughs> my lord! Are you? You know the
0: Coachella music probably. I'm not a mainstream music fan by any means, uh, but the music at Coachella would probably have been better mm so yeah you I mean, at least just you could at least just sit and witness the spectacle of Kanye apparently leading a worship service
2: I mean is there that, video of this I'm sure there is I'm not even sure how to <laughs> how how to, how to weigh those options I'm not, I'm not sure how to weigh that Kanye is uh, hosting
0: I, I yeah <laughs> I think I think your brain might have just broken,
2: Bradley. You yeah. good over there? <laughs> well, because here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking like, okay, it's Resurrection Sunday, right? And the last thing that I want is to hear Kanye West. I mean, like, I, I just <laughs> I can't even get my mind around that. Um, and then to, to think that, you know, here's the interesting thing about Lakewood. At least that I, I've never been to a service there. Um, I've watched a handful of Osteen sermons enough to know what he's about, Uh, but what I imagine Easter Sunday at Lakewood to be like is that there would be in the worship, in the music, in the opening prayers and whatever they do, I imagine there being a lot of talk about Jesus and the resurrection. Mm -hmm. I imagine there being an emphasis there. I imagine them singing. Some of the same songs that we sung and that, you know, John, you you guys sung uh, at Christ Lincoln this Easter weekend. I imagine a lot of the same kinds of things happening. And then I imagine Osteen standing up and hijacking the scriptures yet again to talk about um, how our positive attitudes and our declarations with our words are going to improve our lot in life. Yeah, you know how how we can
1: how we can resurrect ourselves from the from the tomb of our you know uh,
2: misfortune or something exactly turning the resurrection of Christ into an allegory Mm -hmm. for the modern American dream and that that makes me want to vomit equally makes me equally as nauseous as as going to hear Kanye West lead a worship service if that's even. Remote. So here's what here, here's what I do. What's the
1: text of the question again, Cody? Verbatim, please. Kanye West
0: led a worship service at Coachella on Easter Sunday. Would you have Would you have rather
1: attended that or Lakewood? There we go. So, keyword here is attended. I'm going to wordsmith this. So here's the thing. <laughs> based upon how the question was written he could have used the word participate and that would have ran this whole thing off the rails that's um i would go to lakewood because i guarantee you they have really good coffee and free wi-fi and the compact center is massive so i can sit in the very back on the very you know third mezzanine all the way in the back with my headphones in you know, watching a stream of somebody who actually uh, gives a darn, still enjoy the potential for, for decent music, and enjoy a, uh, a free uh, cup of, uh, of name it and claim it brew. So, yeah. I, well I, I, I would choose well
2: Lakewood, providing the okay. free Wi-Fi. Can I insert something here? I know we're about out of time, but um, my wife and I are having a conversation about this this weekend. Um, is that... It, I, I agree. I think you posted something, Cody, about the fact that we don't just celebrate the resurrection on Easter Sunday. We celebrate it every Sunday. I mean, yeah. That's the whole yeah. point. And,
0: and of, we should be that
2: jacked. We should every be that Sunday. jacked every Sunday. That's the whole point of the church worshiping on Sunday. Um, however, I do think there's merit and there's good good things that come from the church taking a week every year and emphasizing oh, yeah the Resurrection and Holy Week. I think there's good things that come from that. And I think that Christians should be very, very committed to being with their church family and worshiping on Easter Sunday, focusing on the resurrection of Christ and celebrating the victory and celebrating who he is, that he is the resurrection and the life. I mean, I think of Holy Week as a pause. From my from my day to day routines and my everyday problems to focus on the kingdom, to focus on things eternal, to focus on life that is truly life. And, you know, people that take, you know, people that go to a church where that isn't appropriately celebrated and talked about or they take Holy Week and spring break as an opportunity to just go to the beach. Um, and, and take a vacation, I have problems with that, right? Like, I, I have problems with us, Absolutely. Um, you know, not prioritizing worship and going, you know what, Easter Sunday I and Good Friday, I need to have my mind and heart and my family focused on Christ, yeah. not on the beach and not on how just the resurrection of Christ is going to make my life better better in terms of how much money I make or how, how much better I feel or my, you know, it, it, yeah, we, exactly. we, we've talked about that before. It's just, man, get your eyes on Christ and, yeah. um, and not on these other things and don't, don't just, you know, I don't have problems with people going on vacations for spring break, but you know, get your tails home <laughs> and get to your church. On, on Easter Sunday, worship. You know, if you're going to grandma's and you go to church with grandma, fine. But, you know, the worship should be prioritized here. Right. Mm. That took a non sarcastic turn
0: that I didn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I just. In I response
2: just, to the question. No, man, my wife and good, I were having good. a conversation about it this week, you know, how, you know, it's, I think it started with us kind of loathing the fact that Greenville County continually put spring break the week before Easter. Right. Which drives me nuts. Uh, I wish they wouldn't do that. Um, but you know, it's kind of started with, oh, this is spring break, wouldn't it be great if we could get out of town or we could do this or that? Yep. And then that kind of naturally segued into, but that's just not what we're about this week, regardless yep. of when the, the, the schools decide to do spring break. Yep. You know.
0: So let's go ahead and do our recommended reading, listening, whatever. Uh, John, you got anything for us? I got a big
2: old goose egg today. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's why we can't have nice. Loser! Day. You got anything, Bradley? Um, I, I hope people don't get me get tired of me recommending blogs from Desiring God. But, um, <laughs> this might be the longest we've ever gone without a John Piper reference. It might be. But, you know, the, the cool thing about Desiring God um, website is just I find so much practical uh, help that's rooted in good theology. Oh, yeah. And, in fact, this blog is titled... Burnout begins with bad theology. Um, It's one that I had read, you know, a couple of years ago um, that really it talks about, you know, having a right theology about sleep and rest, which is some things that we've hinted at today. Um, And, uh, you know, just also thinking well about our labor and, and how we labor, why we labor and all those kinds of things. And so Um, I I won't give any more detail because it's a good blog, but um, it's written by David Murray, uh, and it's on Desiring God's website, desiringgod.org. Burnout begins with bad theology.
0: Very cool. Um, So mine this week is because uh, I needed something light to read um, but I also still wanted to learn a little something. But just with everything going on, I had to put the justification of God up for a second because that's yeah. so thick. Uh-huh. And uh, so, John, you'll actually appreciate this. This is the very first in the Holy Misfit series. It's the, the real Martin Luther by Ooh. Josh Hammond. It's it's very tongue in cheek. Yeah. Uh, it's very sarcastic, um, but it's it's written yes it's a church history thing but it's also very lighthearted. uh it has a lot of illustrations many of them are pretty hilarious so if you've ever wondered what martin luther would look like with two tattoo sleeves holding a sign (laughs) i got 95 theses Uh uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, this book is for you it's a lot of fun it's (laughs) a fun
1: nice nice
0: so, follow us and comment on Instagram and Facebook. You can subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Also, support the show at anchor.fm. You can donate money and help us improve the show, which we're back actually about to do here shortly. Uh, the first five people who pledge to donate $10 a month for a year get a free or free whatever, I don't know. Uh, Piper Drive version two, Cameron Walker is our newest supporter. So we're up to three of those Piper Drives being taken. Um, So maybe looking at a microphone or interface upgrade here soon. Uh, You can also leave us a voicemail with the Anchor app. Uh, and we might interact with that. You can also email us at westminstereffects at gmail.com and make sure you buy pedals at westminstereffects.com. I forgot what I'm going to do for the outro. So we'll just As,
1: start, as, as you know, has become always. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thanks for listening. All right. Later.
3: <laughs> Today we're going to talk about the 1689 version 2. From Westminster Effects. The 1689 has four controls and a clipping switch gain, volume, tone, as well as a knob that will mix your clean in with the dirt. This clean knob is a really cool feature, so check this out. We'll turn it all the way down and take out all of the dirt. Now, we'll turn it all the way up so that all you hear is the dirt and there's no clean signal from the guitar mixed into the output. This is such a great way to dial in exactly the sound that you want. So let's turn the gain down, turn the volume up just a bit. and We're gonna back off the tone. Now let's turn the gain up, turn the volume down just a bit and see what we got.